Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning. I'm so glad to uh, see everyone this morning. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us. If you are a guest or a visitor for the first time, <coughs> we would love to get to know you a little better. And there are some cards in the pews in front of you, and you could fill one of those out and drop it in the offering box just so we can get to know you a little better. If you have a bulletin, there are several announcements in there for this week and the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'll go over a few of them, but I encourage you to get one of these so you can have it on paper. Um, Friday, uh, youth and, and uh, kids, we're going to go, if, if the kids can come, uh, a lot of times parents come anyway, we are going to be participating in the Feed the Hungry program at uh, First Baptist Church in Shelby. <coughs> what we do is... Um, we're going to take sandwiches out over there, and it gives us an opportunity to uh, feed the homeless community in right there, and it gives us an opportunity to uh, talk and share the gospel with them. Any adults who would like to come, uh, reach out to me. I've got to, tomorrow morning, I'm going to call and uh, nail down exactly how many sandwiches I'm going to need and um, what time we have to be there. Uh, so if any adults want to come, uh, sit, feel free to uh, give me a call, send me a text, or, or talk to me Wednesday, and I can give you that information nailed down. Um, it's a good opportunity to uh, get out in our community, in our communities, and witness. Uh, next week, uh, don't forget our uh, picnic at the creek at six o'clock that evening. Um, and that is going to bring us to a new month. So we have the following week, we have our breakfast, our, um, the sponsored by the Baptist men coming up. And then if you'll see in here, it says on August the 5th and 6th, we're going to be going each night to um, New Beginnings Church up towards Faustin for a youth rally called Rally the Troops. Um, I'm excited about that. They have some, uh, some speakers coming in, some student speakers are going to be there that night. Um, I know a couple of them uh, personally, and they have really good testimonies, and they are really awesome people and love the Lord, so that will be good. Uh, don't forget about our revival coming up in September, starting the 11th, 6.30 each night. And uh, Terry, are we working Thursday? If it doesn't rain Thursday, uh, which that's hit or miss this time of year, uh, the, we're going to have a work day here at the church at 6 o'clock, uh, try to get some stuff done. Uh, it's hard to hit it on the head whether we can get here or not because, uh, like I say, we live, we're in that thunderstorm season. I don't think I have any more announcements that I'm missing. Um, at this time, I just invite you to, uh, let's focus on God this morning and turn our hearts over to Him this morning and uh, listen to what He has to say to us. Good morning. It is great to see everybody here today. And uh, as we begin our time together, let's open with a word of prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you, humbly bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, I thank you for everything that you're doing for us. I thank you for the fact that you are always going before us and that you are guiding and directing us and protecting us as we continue to seek to do your will. Dear Lord, as we gather together in your house today, 
We ask that just for this short time that you take the cares of the world away from us. Dear Lord, that we're not worried about what we've got to do after this service or how, how quick we can get out of here. But dear Lord, that we take this opportunity to fully focus on you. May your Holy Spirit fill this place today so that we feel your presence that you speak through the choir, you speak through Chad, you speak through me, that we may hear your voice today. And dear Lord, I ask you, as we begin this time together, dear Lord, that your gospel be proclaimed, that lives will be changed. And it is in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. Before Sandra comes up here, I do want one announcement. Um, today is our interpreter's last day with us, Linda Gelzer. She is a graduate of Gardner-Webb. She has been interpreting for us on our, our live stream since before she graduated, but she is back home in Washington State and she is moving and she will no longer be able to, to help us on Sundays, but we want to say thank you to her for, because I, if you don't realize, she is three hours behind us, so when our service starts at 10.30, it's 7.30 in the morning for her. And she has been faithful over these last several months that she gets up and does this for us every morning, every Sunday morning. So we thank you. Thank you, Linda. Or should I say, thank you, Linda, for helping us and, and for being faithful and serving our deaf community as we broadcast. So thank you. Would you stand as we sing praises to our Lord and Savior? Hymn number 135, Nothing But the Blood. And the scripture tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So thank you, Lord. So we sing praises to you today.
We do appreciate you guys. We really do. Good morning. How's that? All right. Good morning, Crestview Baptist Church. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house this morning? Amen. All right. As uh, I know you're all aware, last Sunday we collected our deacon nominee ballots, and myself and three other deacons gathered and counted them all up. And we had five qualifying candidates that received the official minimum number of nominations. So we divvied those up between ourselves, and in less than 48 hours, all five said they were willing to serve. That's a blessing. And uh, those five candidates are Terry Pendleton, Doug Pittman, Whitey Green, Jackie Bridges, and Chris Sanders. So this year when we have our election, which should be in two weeks, if I remember right, you know, two weeks from today, we'll have five candidates on the ballot and you'll be asked to vote for two. Today we're going to have two of those candidates give their personal testimonies and next Sunday I've already checked and all three of the other ones will be giving their personal testimonies. We're going to begin with Mr. Whitey Green. Good morning. I'd just like to say first, thank you for the opportunity to give me a, a chance to be able to serve as a deacon for Crestview Baptist Church. Uh, I'll begin with uh, telling you a little bit about me, if you want to don't know who I am. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> uh, I've actually been called in, in the deacon ministry since 1990. I've served on the deacon board all but five years since 1990. I've been on, on the deacon board. I've been here, I think, 13 years. And I've been on deacon board here all but two years. It's been a real privilege and honor to be able to serve here. As I've really appreciated everyone that uh, I've been able to serve with, all the deacons and all the members that I've been able to serve. Uh, I was saved at the age of 10 years old at Florence Creek Baptist Church and was baptized there. Uh, can't say that I've always followed Christ, uh, but he's always given me the opportunity to come back and repent and get on the path again, but uh, I actually rededicated my life after I strayed off as a 10-year-old. I'd done pretty well, so I was about 16, and 16 years old, I decided I liked fast cars, and spent a lot of time throwing things away and not going to church, and then I met Sandra, and we got, I got to go to church with her, and uh, I rededicated my life again at 18 years old at a youth rally. Done pretty well until I was about 21, 22, and I got other things on my mind, race cars, and that seemed to take my priorities away. And I would uh, do stupid things again. And so when I was about 30 years old, I decided it was time to straighten up and follow Christ. And I have been, thank Jesus, I've been on that narrow beaten path since around 30 years old, and it's, it's been a pleasure to serve. I've really enjoyed my time. I hope I can be of service to you in the church if God has led me to this position today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Whitey. And now we'll hear from uh, our another nominee, Terry Pendleton. If you'd come up, please.
Uh, good morning. I just want to let everybody know, yes, uh, you know, I always tell everybody I ain't worth a count. I don't know nothing, you know, but, you know, that's how I am. <laughs> but, uh, uh, let's see, I was led to Christ and all by Stan. You know, I had, I went to South Mountain, and uh, I went there for camp and everything, and then came back, I, you know, talked to Stan when he was our pastor at Northside, and he left Northside, and he came here, so then I, what happened? I had to follow him. I enjoyed his messages and stuff, and, and there was just two men. Stan was one of them. Mel was the other, and he led me to where it opened up my eyes and stuff when I worked under Mel through uh, the Baptist men doing the disaster relief stuff that we used to do in uh, South Shelby, working there in those uh, apartments and stuff, and he, he always told me, he said, that do things that makes you feel good, that you're doing it for the glory of God. That way, you may think you're getting a blessing out of it, but no, I do get a blessing, but I'm trying to give back the blessing that I've received. But that's, to me, that touched me when it opened up my eyes to see that I can do stuff for the God and do other people, you know, be a good influence for them. So I feel honored if everybody picks me as a, one of the deacons and stuff, like already always told us, once you're a deacon, you're always a deacon. So, but I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. I believe these two guys are here. Hang out. We'll be hearing from other three candidates next Sunday, and uh, we'll go from there to the election the week after. I'm going to hand it over to Chad for the children's sermon. I want to invite all my kiddos down this morning. Well, I got, a, I got a floor full this morning. I like it. Hey, Early. <laughs> All right, guys. So last week, if you weren't here, we started talking about something. And this is going to run for the next eight weeks. But I told them in Children's Church, I said, don't worry if you're not here. We're going to get you caught up. So what we're going to be doing is we are starting to learn the Lord's Prayer. And not just going to learn it. Because when I was in... Sunday school, I learned the Lord's Prayer. And that was what I did. I learned the words to the Lord's Prayer. But we're doing one step more than learning the words to the Lord's Prayer. We're learning why it's important and what it actually means, what those words in the prayer mean. And so last week, our line was, <coughs> Our Father who art in heaven. Can you say that? Our Father who art in heaven. And I'm not going to go exactly back over it right now what that meant, but we're going to talk about it if you missed it. This week, we're looking at the second line. Hold on one okay? We're looking at the second line in the Lord's Prayer, and it is, Hallowed be thy name. Can you say that? Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name, yes. And that is a very important line because after we acknowledge God as the Father of who He is, He is our Father in heaven, we are acknowledging 
that he is very special to us. He is very holy and very important to us. I want to talk to, I talked to my, we talked about Sunday school this morning. And uh, I have a kid who, in my youth, who also actually lives at my house, who is uh, really bad about coming and talking, and he'll come and talk to me, and he'll be like, hey, bro, and I'm like, no. <laughs> and, uh, and so, because that's not respect, right? But when I come and I talk to God, I want to be sure that I am respecting Him. So, hallow kind of, it means like, means lots of things. But what I want you to know is when I say hallowed be God's name, it makes us feel all tingly inside. It makes us feel like we're, and, and know that we're talking to somebody who's not just a regular, a regular guy. He is the creator of the universe. He is a special and holy person to us. And that we love him and care for him and that we're willing to do whatever it takes to serve him. Right? Yeah. All right. So, in just a few minutes, we are going, they're going to sing, and then we're going to go to Children's Church, and we're going to work on this, practicing this Lord's Prayer, and really sit down and dive into that a lot deeper, okay? And we're also going to review what it meant for our, fa to, for our Father who art in heaven. So we're going to have two lines of that Lord's Prayer learned by the end of this week. You think you can do that? All right, so let's bow our heads, and then I'm going to ask you guys to sit right here for just a few minutes. Okay, hold on. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for being our Father and for watching over us in heaven. Thank you for being such a special creator and loving us the way you do and loving us enough to send your son Jesus to take our place on a cross, Lord. We love you, and I just praise you for everything you are and all that you do. All this I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Is there anybody else out there that's just excited the fact that you are a sinner saved by grace? Thank you, choir, for that. Uh,
I have been preaching the last several weeks basically is what it means to be a Christian. What society thinks that means. What it actually means. The word Christian, the term Christian. And today, I want us to look at Christian or disciple. And my question is this. Which one are you? Are you a Christian? Or are you a disciple? And before anybody gets, gets upset and walks out thinking I'm going to be preaching heresy, we're going to go to the Word. So if you'd turn to Matthew chapter 28, we're going to look at the Great Commission, verses 18 through 20. And this is Jesus Christ Himself speaking to His disciples that had been gathered around Him. And these words that He spoke to them are so relevant and so... It's, they're, they're alive. And they are just as powerful and meaningful to us today as they were to those 11 disciples that were around Him at that time. So if you would please turn there, Matthew chapter 28. It's also on your screen as well as in your bulletin. And if you would stand in reverence to God's Word as I read these verses. And it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for, for what we have recorded here in the book of Matthew. As Your words to Your disciples and to us today. May You speak to us through them. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. So let's start off with this. Is there a difference... And being a Christian and being a disciple of Christ. Is there a difference between those two? Well, yes and no. Okay? Yes. A disciple of Christ must be a Christian. But no. A Christian may not necessarily be a disciple. So let's talk about that for just a second. It is like uh, a Mustang can be a car, but not all cars are Mustangs. Right? You can be a Christian. And this is where Baptist, we, we as Baptists and, and most evangelical congregations have gotten it wrong for so many years. You can be a Christian 
and not be a follower of Christ. We call that your fire insurance. You walk the aisle. You get baptized. You accept Christ as your Savior. Not necessarily in that order. Hopefully you walk the aisle having accepted Christ as your Savior and get baptized. But you, get, you, you accept Christ as your Savior. The free gift of salvation. And you follow Him in baptism. And then you never see Him in church again. That happens a lot. Or they, they, they walk away and they just... They, they got that settled. They got their fire insurance and then they go out and live how they want to. See, what we have to understand is this, is that becoming a Christian is the first step in becoming a disciple of Christ. At the moment of salvation... The moment we pray and accept the grace that God is offering to us through the death of Jesus Christ, the moment we accept that and we become a sinner saved by grace, we become a Christian. We take on the name Christian. Talked about it last week. The actual word Christanus, the Greek word, it means party of Christ or belonging to Christ. The moment we pray and we accept the grace and mercy offered to us on the cross through faith, we become a Christian. And that's what is understood here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Read these words again. Look at what it says. Go therefore and make what? disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Does it say, well, we'll get to that in a second. The point being that they must first accept Christ, that was understood. The, the audience Jesus was speaking to, His 11 disciples, not 12 because Judas was gone, the 11 disciples that were left, they understood that. They understood that, that accepting the call of Christ was the first step. But then becoming a disciple was after that. They understood that. They understood what Jesus was saying to, the, to those that were listening to this great commission. The command given here was not to make converts. It was to make disciples. Not just converts, not just supporters. But to make disciples. And becoming a disciple of Christ is a process of teaching and learning, of commitment and obedience throughout the life of the Christian. Where we have failed is this, church. For years, evangelical churches have been concerned with getting numbers of people accepting Christ. They've gone out and they've evangelized. They have led people to accept Christ as their Savior. They have gotten them baptized and put their names on church rolls, put the numbers down in surveys. 
that are sent out to the churches. How many converts have you had this year? How many baptisms? And they've been so concerned about those numbers that that's where it ends. And instead of following the command given to us by Jesus Christ and making disciples, we've made Christians and have totally left out the part about making them disciples. Disciples are made through teaching. Look at Jesus tells them what to do, and then he tells them what to how to do it. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I had commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now there's a couple of things that we need to look here. This teaching that we must do, the content of this teaching is that all I have commanded you, the followers of, the, of, of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus that are making more disciples are to present the whole counsel of God, the whole teaching of God. And it's God's job to make the disciples. We're responsible for teaching them. What are we to teach them? Everything that God has commanded us. Everything that Jesus has commanded us. That means we can't dismiss part of it because we don't like it. That means that His Word from Genesis to Revelation is viable, is alive, is impactful. And what does it tell us in Timothy? All Scripture is inspired. It is given for the teaching and edification of the saints. What does that mean? First, we've got to realize that people say that we have nothing to do with the Old Testament. Old Testament isn't relevant. They need to understand what their Bible is. Because I hate to break it to you, but when Paul wrote that letter to Timothy and told him that all Scripture was inspired, guess what Scripture he was talking about? The Old Testament, because the New Testament didn't exist. It was being written. So try telling me again how the Old Testament doesn't have anything to do with us today. That's what we are to teach the old covenant and what tells us why we need the new covenant. We have to understand both. And we have to understand the commands of God and how Jesus fulfilled and helps us fulfill those commands. That's what we're to teach. And that is our responsibility to teach it. Unadulterated. Not changed to make it relevant. Listen, there is nothing that we're going through today in society that, that is not talked about in the Bible somewhere. Think about all the ones Paul had to deal with. He had to deal with the same stuff we were, we're dealing with now. And then the second part. And lo, I am with you always. The promise of His presence is complete. It's not going to be our, through our power. 
that we make disciples. It is through His power. This English adverb always renders an expression found only here in the New Testament. The whole of every day. Which is basically what it means. The whole of every day. That means every second of every minute of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, His presence is with us. Always. That is a promise. Jesus gives this command. He starts out by saying, all authority is given to me. And therefore, since I have all the authority in the world, it says I have all the authority in heaven and earth. Since I am all powerful, since I have the authority over all of heaven and all of earth, I command you to go make disciples. And you're not going to have to do it by yourself because I'm going to be with you always until the end of the age. He is never going to leave us. He is never going to forsake us. And He is going to be with us through it all. His presence to us means privilege. Because we are co-laborers with Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.9, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields, God's building. We're not doing this alone. We are not making disciples alone. We have the privilege of working side by side, hand in hand with God in doing this. And His presence means protection because we are never out of His sight or supervision. Look at Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. God is always going to be there. He's always there to offer us protection. And then His presence means power. Because as we fulfill this great command... We work in His name. Philippians 2, 9-11 through says this, For this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in the heaven and on, the, on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the name that we are working in. We are working under the, the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I can't help but think back to in, in Acts where uh, there is this group of uh, men that are traveling around trying to cast out demons. And they're getting money for casting out demons. And they say, they go up and they say, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, I demand that you leave. And the demon talks to him. And he says, 
who Jesus is. I know Jesus. I even know about Paul. But who are you? I don't know you. I don't recognize you. And then the man that was demon-possessed proceeded to beat them to a pulp, including them, stripping them butt-naked and, and made them run away scared. They didn't say, in the, in the name of Jesus Christ, they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. They had no idea who Jesus was. They didn't recognize the power of Jesus. But that demon did. And because they did not have the power of the name of Jesus Christ, it, the, that demon proceeded to beat the snot out of them. But he knew who Paul was because Paul went in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is power in that name. His presence means peace. Because it always reminds us that we, His church, belongs to Him. We belong to Him. This church belongs to Him. Philippians 4, 6-7 Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in who? Christ Jesus. There is peace found in His presence. That means that we can do, we can follow His command, we can go out and work and make disciples and teaching them to obey because of His presence, because of, because of the privilege that we have to work hand in hand with Him, because of the protection we have from having God on our side. And for the power in the name of Jesus Christ. And the peace that comes through knowing Christ. Well, what do we teach? I've said that we teach His Word. Scripture says right here, teaching them all that I observed, or that all I commanded you in the first part of chapter 20. What do we teach to make disciples of Christ? Well, some of you are going to know this, but this is just scratching the surface. And if you would like to go more, more in depth about this, I can tell you how to do that. But first thing is a disciple of Christ must surrender totally to Jesus. Luke 9.23 And He was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You must totally surrender yourself to Jesus Christ and be a disciple. And that verse tells us this is not just a one-time thing, but it's something that has to be done daily. Just like where Paul says, brethren, I beseech you, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, which is 
holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of service or worship. That word that's used there, it means a, something that's continually done. It's not just a one and done. It's something that has to happen continually. The same thing here. We must surrender ourselves fully to Jesus Christ to become a disciple. A disciple of Christ must learn to listen to Jesus. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You know, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Anybody that has raised teenagers understand that. Go take the trash out. Hey, go take the trash out. Hey, I said, go take the trash out. I hear you. Well, yeah, you hear me, but you're not listening to me. Go take the trash out. You guys are laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. But we do the same thing to Jesus. There are times that I'm just as guilty as anybody else. There's times that he has to take a Louisville slugger and knock me upside the head to get me to pay attention to what he's trying to tell me. You know, it'd be so much easier if, if, if it was like Daniel when that, that hand appeared and wrote on the wall. It would be so much easier, wouldn't it? But let me tell you something. God's talking to us all the time. He is speaking to us. All we have to do is listen. And this Scripture says that if you belong to me, my sheep, you know my voice and you will listen to me. So a disciple has to listen. A disciple of Christ must abide in Jesus and His Word. John 8.31 So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, if you continue in My Word, then you truly are disciples of Mine. I've shared this with you many times over the last few weeks about the interview I saw where this lady said, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what it says in such and such book or such and such chapter and such and such verse. I don't care. <clears throat> I don't know if this young lady that said that is a Christian. I very highly doubt it. Because as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, we better care and we better know and we better stay in God's Word. Because it is alive. It is how we, are, we, we commune with God. It's how we are taught by God. And His Word is powerful. And we need to pay attention to it. We need to stay in it. And we need to abide in it. You know, that word abide, it's similar to the word tabernacle. Which is what it says in John chapter 1, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word is tabernacle. It means that he dwelled with us. He was part of us. 
That is the same type of relationship that we need to have with Christ and His Word. We need to stay in it. We need to dwell in it. We need to be in it. And the disciple of Christ must obey Jesus. Luke 5, 27 and 28. It is a recording of, of the call of Matthew or Levi. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind up and began to follow him. Think about that, what that says. He goes and he finds Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he says, follow me. And then what does it say that Matthew did? Left everything and followed him. He didn't have to go talk with anybody. He didn't have to form a committee. He didn't have to do. He just did what Jesus told him to do. Jesus said, follow me. And he did it. Immediately. He was obedient. We must be obedient and obey Jesus. A disciple of Christ must walk in the light of Jesus. John 8, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. What is the key component to, to, with light? What is, what, not component, but what, what does light do? It dispels darkness. It shows what's hidden. You know, you go out into your, out at night and you're trying to find something out in your yard. What do you got with you? A flashlight. I can't work on my car because I can't see in those little, that, I mean, even during the daylight. I got this little pin light. I shine down in there so I can see on the nooks and crannies and see what I got to do. But you know what else? You go out into a shed or a barn or something like that and you flip on that light. It called, the light causes all the little vermin to run and scurry away. You guys know what I'm talking about. You flip the light on and see bugs go crazy and mice run and everything else. They don't want to be seen. They want to carry out what they do in the darkness. They don't want to be seen. But if you belong to Jesus Christ and you're a disciple, you're going to be dwelling in that light and it's going to be evident for everybody to see. And a disciple of Christ must love other disciples. That means that I have to love you and you have to love me. John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He doesn't say you have to agree with each other, does he? But he says, you have to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. A disciple of Christ must be a servant to Jesus. 
John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus came as a servant. He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. A disciple of Christ must have that same attitude and must humble himself to serve his master. The disciple of Christ must share Jesus with others. Matthew 4.19 And he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Church, if we follow Christ, we are to share Him. There is no, well, I'm worried about saying something wrong. (laughs) That doesn't say it. You know, you'll catch a lot when you have the right bait on the hook. And when we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the right bait. And he tells us, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. We're not the one that does the saving. But we're responsible for throwing that line out there. A disciple of Christ must make more disciples of Christ. You have to be a disciple that makes more disciples. That means that as somebody has poured their life into you and teaching you to obey His commandments, that you are required to do the same thing. To pour into others. John 15, 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be My disciples. That is just scratching the surface of what we are to teach in making disciples. Now here is my question for you, church. Are you a Christian? Or are you a disciple of Christ? Yes, I want to take the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to be known as a Christian. But I don't want to stop there. I want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to be His disciple. What about you? Are you satisfied with having the bare minimum? Or do you want something more? Are you comfortable just coming and sitting? Or do you want something more?
I want us to be a church that makes disciples. That makes disciples that will go and make more disciples. Church, I don't care if they want to go to a Southern Baptist church. I don't care if they want to go to a Catholic church. I don't care if they want to go to to a Methodist church. I don't care if they want to go to a cowboy church. I don't care if they want traditional. I don't care if they want contemporary. What I care about is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Someone that is not just got their fire insurance, but it permeates their entire being. That they exude Jesus Christ. That they live and walk daily for Jesus Christ. That their language changes. That their attitudes changes. How they look changes. Not because it's what I want, but I want them to look like they've got Jesus all over them. What about you? Are you satisfied with just being a Christian or do you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Now is the time for you to answer that question. Do what God is calling you to do today. Whatever it is, don't leave this place without letting God have His way in you. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 305, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. For being here today. Uh, once more, thank you, Linda, for interpreting for us over the past several months and actually years. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind, just give Linda a round of applause for doing that for us. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Sharon, for reminding me that. Uh, this, is, this is applause, clapping, and sign language is, is doing this. Um, also, I will be going on vacation, as will Sandra, this next Sunday. Um, we'll be gone. So uh, Chad will be here. Jim will be here. If you need anything, please contact them. Um, and we will also be having baptism again next Sunday morning. So come as Donna gets baptized. And uh, miscommunication on, on my part. 
Um, she came prepared to be baptized today, and I wasn't ready. The baptism wasn't ready. So we will have that ready to go next Sunday. And, that, and then she will follow the Lord in, in believer's baptism next Sunday. So we're excited about that. Don't forget about checking all the announcements. If it doesn't rain, they will have a work day um, Thursday night. Please be in prayer about God's will in, in choosing the next two deacons as we approach a deacon election. Do what? Yeah, fellowship next Sunday night. Don't forget, down at the creek, potluck. Whatever you bring is what gets eight. Don't forget your, your, your uh, chairs. Don't forget your cornhole boards. Games, you got a guitar, bring it and play it. Just next Sunday night, the 31st, ready to have a good time. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to ask Joe McCurry as our Deacon of the Week if he would come and dismiss us in prayer. Father, we have come into your presence to worship. Your spirit has been here. Our pastor has told us the truth. We are to listen. And Lord, you have already told us what you want us to do. You want us to worship you, but you also want us to obey you. And you want us to go. You want us to go out to our jobs, our family, our community, this world and be the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be as your children. So, Lord, we thank you for our pastor. He has told us the truth through the, your, your word, the scripture, and he has told us that we do not need to do it under our own power, our own strength, our own reasoning, because we, did, we do not have the power to save anyone. We can never go to anyone unless the Spirit has already reached there first. We can never go anywhere that God has not already beaten us there. So, Lord, we are to go to make disciples, to, to be the per person that you want us to be, the light that you want to be. And, Lord, we thank you that you have told us in your word that you would never leave or forsake us. Many times, Lord... In my life, I have been lonely except the years after I became a Christian. I have never been alone because I believe you have always been there for me and you will love me and be with me even to the end of the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.